I'm excited to introduce our speaker today. Pastor Stephen Furtick has been a dear friend for a long time. I met him way before you probably knew who he was. I didn't even know who he was. Someone said, there's this guy in Charlotte. Uh, he's going to be speaking at the same conference I was speaking at the time. This is years ago. Their church was six months old at the time. I had just met him. We were talking, and he called me several times in the early years for advice, which is a little laughable now, but he did. And so I was like, how do I do this? How do I do that? I think he figured it out, by the way. And so, but Stephen and Holly have been dear friends of Jessica and I for a long time. We've been in their home. We know their family. My, my boys know, their, know their, their sons. I mean, and so let me tell you something. He's the real deal. God has blessed him in a powerful way. I asked him to bring our first message in leaving a legacy, not because we're chasing fame. We don't chase fame here at Church Unlimited, but we do want to be an influence for the kingdom of God. And so please give a warm welcome to Pastor Stephen Furtick. All right, well, on the count of three, you're going to hear some cheering, and this will be us in Charlotte, North Carolina, welcoming Church Unlimited. What's up, everybody? One, two, three. How y'all doing? Pastor Bill, Pastor Jessica, Church Unlimited. Wow. What an honor to share with you today. I, um, I'm a big fan of Bill Cornelius. Uh, the secret is out. Your pastor's amazing. He's faithful and uh, He's also, what I would like to say about this man is he's persistent. Uh, he asked me, would I preach? And I was like, uh, Bill, I can't, I'm not traveling to preach right now with everything that's going on at home. He said, um, send, send us a message. He said, there's something really important that God put on my heart for our church, and I feel like you're the voice that God gave, and I'm not going to lie to you. I left him on red for like three weeks. And uh, the man, the man, y'all know that he prays 17 hours a day, but did you know that he will text 7,000 times also? And uh, really, it wasn't because I didn't want to, it was just because I didn't understand kind of the magnitude of what it meant to him. But now I do. And uh, as you begin this Leaving a Legacy series today, I'm excited because I'm not just doing a favor for a friend anymore, but God gave me a word for you today. And uh, this is for you. And look at somebody next to you. I don't know if you'll talk to your neighbor at Church Unlimited, but the people in the room here, they, they do whatever I tell them because they're staff. Uh, I got our best staff in here today to preach to y'all. These are the elite. These are the Navy SEALs of the Elevation Church staff. Oh, man. It's so weird walking in here. I felt like, uh, I felt like flashbacks from when we couldn't have people in the room, but I asked them would they come help me preach, and they're here. And I checked all their spiritual temperature before they came in, and they're all filled with the Holy Ghost and fire baptized, and uh, and ready and ready to share the gospel. But look at somebody next to you and say, "This is my word, not yours." And and then look back at them and say, "I will snatch your word and take both of our words." Yeah, man, the word of God. The Lord led me to a passage of scripture um, that I think will really help you understand. My assignment for today, and the assignment that God has for you as a part of this great ministry uh, reaching all over the state of Texas. If you brought your Bible, turn to Luke chapter 5. If you didn't bring your Bible, you have it memorized, or you can look on the screen. But I love this passage, and it's grown to mean a lot to me in recent days. And the passage begins normal enough where it says in Luke chapter 5 verse 1 are y'all ready are you sure okay okay one day as jesus was standing by the lake of gennesaret 
The people were crowding around him. No social distancing, no six feet apart, none of that, none of that. This must be the state of Texas where Luke chapter 5 is happening. Let's start over. <laughs> I messed up. One day Jesus was standing at the lake of Gennesaret, people crowding around, listening, listening, listening to the word of God. They were listening. But there are levels of listening, okay? You can hear something with your ears, not hear it with your heart, and it won't make a difference in your life. You can hear something with your senses and not pay attention to it with your mind and forget it five minutes after the sermon is over. So you got the crowd listening to the word of God. And then in verse two, the Bible says that Jesus saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon. And I'm going to come back to that because that in itself is a whole sermon, but let's keep reading for now. Y'all pray for me that I would have the discipline to read this text without interrupting myself because I love it so much. He got into the one belonging to Simon and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. Verse 6, and when they had prayed about it, no, let me read it again. I must have missed something. And when they considered it carefully, huh? Let me try one more time. I don't want to mess up the Bible verse reading as a guest speaker, all right? Oh, oh. When they had done so, when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. Woo! God wants to upgrade your problems. When the passage started, they had no fish. When the passage ends, they have no nets because they broke because of all of the fish. When Jesus gets in your boat, when God shows up in your life, when God shows off in a ministry, get ready. This is a net-breaking blessing, a net-breaking blessing. This is a net-breaking blessing. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. And when Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished. You know God can shock you. God can shock you. Pray it out loud if you have the faith. Say, God, shock me. Do something astonishing in my life and my heart today. You know, we get to the point where we think we know how things can be and we draw the boundary lines for our life. But they were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. And I read all of that to get to this in verse 11. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left 
everything and followed him. Would you do that? Like for real. They pulled their boats up on the shore. Remember James and John, this is their dad's boat. It's their legacy. And they left it. They left their legacy to step into their destiny. I want to speak to you for a short time today. I'm going to try to hit Pastor Bill's time limit that he gave me. The time he gave me to preach to you is the time I use for an intro at Elevation Church, but we're going to do our best. But I want to speak on the momentum of a decision. The momentum of a decision. If you have a big decision to make in your life right now, raise your hand. Raise it up. And I'm going to just tell you the way some of you are raising your hands right now, like I'm not sure if I have a big decision right now in my life. When you have a big decision to make, a lot of times you don't know it's big until you're looking back. Because for many of us to come to church today, it was kind of like, okay, do you want to go? No. Real quick, real quick. Raise your hand if you are the decisive one in your family. You are, yeah, you are the one. You're not going to spend three hours browsing Netflix to try to find. Let's just watch something. It's all. We already paid the subscription. Let's just start something. Raise your hand if you are the decisive one. And if you are still trying to decide whether to raise your hand, you are not. All the decisive people threw their hand up violently. You tore your rotator cuff trying to do this sermon illustration. And yeah. I relate to Peter in this passage because I tend to be really dramatic once I make a decision. Now, this is just me. It takes me a while to make it, but when I make it, when I decided that Holly was going to be my wife, I decided also that she didn't have to decide that I was her husband. She <laughs> I know that sounds bad, but I was like, you're my wife whether you like it or not, whether you accept it now or not. I will keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking until the door is open unto me. And um, it was cool in our relationship because we traveled in ministry together for for a whole summer. I got her on a bus with me. I asked her. I was the ministry team leader. We went to a Christian school and I was leading the team and I was like, it's a weird pickup line. I know it's only maybe a Christian college thing, but I was like, hey, girl, do you want to be on my summer impact team? And something about it, I felt like if I could get her trapped on the bus with me for a summer, she was that close to my anointing. She would be attracted to my anointing. And, uh, but the thing is, she didn't know when she said yes to how she would spend her summer that God was setting us up for how we would spend our life. You see how it works? She didn't. You, you don't know when you're making the decision. Even to be here today. Like for somebody, it's going to be like what I described with the crowd in Luke 5. You're going to listen to the word of God. Um, what did he talk about today? I don't know. Uh, I think he did something about. Um, uh, he was talking about, um, uh, oh, what was it? And somebody else is going to be like, are you crazy? That was life-changing. I, I heard from God today. God spoke to me today. And, and you can sit right by somebody who's hearing the same word that you're hearing, and you act on it, and they don't, or they act on it, and you don't. See, the crowd in the passage got a sermon. Peter 
in the passage got a blessing and a calling and a mission for his life. It was so dramatic. When I married Holly, uh, the first, she's a really good cook, and the first uh, eight months of our marriage, she got me so fat, y'all. No, I mean so fat. I, was, I looked in the mirror one day. I said, oh, God, look what you've done to me. I jumped up. Stuff was jiggling and wiggling. It was like an aftershock effect. It was still bouncing 30 seconds later. I'm like, that's it. I'm going on Atkins. I mean, no more carbs ever, and I didn't for a year. I lost all 40 pounds. I mean, that day, I didn't buy the Atkins book. I didn't study the neurology of dieting science. I didn't hire a trainer. I don't even think I exercised. I just ate pepperonis and peanuts and drank Diet Coke for the next year. And I got thin. I'm dramatic like that. I'm dram Is anybody dramatic like me? Like we understand Peter leaving everything to follow Jesus because he does this for the rest of his life. They come to kill Jesus. He cuts off the ear. Who does that, Peter? And for those of us who are kind of dramatic about our decisions, we expect God to do something big, you know? Okay, Lord, I'll do it if you show me a sign. Let the sky split. Let the waters part. Let her name be Mary so I'll know that she, like your very mother, Lord, is the one for me. But God's not going to always speak in the dramatic. Can I show you from the text? Sounds dramatic, right? Big catch of fish. They go on to be disciples. They go on to see not only the blind healed, not only do they go on to see that the deaf hear, not only do they go on to see the lame walk, not only do they go on to see the gospel preached, they see the dead raised. They didn't know that that day. They didn't know that. What they did that day was what they did every day. They went fishing. They went fishing. This is deep. Y'all get ready to write this down because they were fishermen. The name of the town, Bethsaida, means house of the hunt. It's a fishing village, y'all. That's what the village was for. So when it says, one day they went fishing and caught nothing, it shows me that sometimes the key to my destiny, big thing, is in my daily decisions. Is in my daily decisions. Like sometimes we get caught up on asking God big questions. Lord, should I should I move to this city or that? And I wonder if the Lord is ever like, you know, I'll guide you on that. But I care a whole lot more about what you do when you get to the city than which one you go to. And in church, we like to talk about. Um, the other D word, not decisions. The devil. The devil made me do it. Oh, it was the devil. No, it was the Doritos that made me fat, that made me have to go. But I'm a dramatic person. I don't often like to, to make the decision. I wonder what daily decision, what Little decision. Everybody say it. I need participation, and I can feel whether you're participating or not, even though I'm not in the room. Say, it's a little decision. 
Now, you got to say it like a soprano. You can't say it with bass in your voice. You got to say, it's a little decision. It's a little decision. Because you're like, no, it's not. They left everything and followed Jesus. Not at first. That's not the first thing they did. That wouldn't make sense to leave everything and follow somebody who you hadn't even allowed in your boat yet. And this is what I love about Jesus. How many of y'all believe that Jesus knows how to do it? Right? That he knows how to get your attention, that he knows where the fish are, that he knows the, the key to what you're frustrated about. So, okay, Jesus walks up and he doesn't say, leave everything and follow me. He says that later, take up your cross and follow me, but not at first. And that's not how he's going to speak to you all the time either. He's not always going to give you something big, dramatic, important, significant. It's not always going to feel like that. Sometimes it's a little thing God gives you to do. The little ways God leads us. Because look what he said in verse 4. Put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. But that's not the first thing he did either, is it? We're really going to study the Bible today, y'all. Go back to the verse before that. What comes before verse 4? Verse 3. It's not a trick question, Church Unlimited. I promise. Pastor Bill, they're a little slow today. You need to pray a little more for them. All right? He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Now, these are the people that would end up giving their lives to the gospel. They would end up, many of these disciples, there's three in the passage, would go on to be killed for their faith, would go on to sacrifice everything that they knew, all of the familiarity and all of their certainty that they had to step away from to follow the Savior. But it didn't start with them leaving a legacy. It wasn't a big thing. It was a little push. See, when God has a big thing in mind for your life, God has something big for you to do. God wants to give you a breakthrough in your relationships, a breakthrough in your marriage, a breakthrough in your thinking, a breakthrough in your state of mind, a breakthrough from depression, a breakthrough in your struggle with anxiety, a breakthrough in revealing his purpose to you. Sometimes he'll have a lot on his mind. But he'll only tell you a little. So this is what Jesus does. And I promise you, this is crazier than it sounds. He got into, put verse 3 back up. He got into the boat. Didn't ask. You're like, oh, well, there's nothing really weird about that. Try it. After church, pick out the nicest car in the church unlimited parking lot and just get in and sit there and see what happens and ask him, can I have it for a minute? He got in. That's anointed. He got in. He got in. That's what he did in my life, actually. He, he got in. He got in. He didn't pre-qualify me. He didn't tell me if you'll do these 12 things. If you you know you got to make a commitment, you got to straighten your life. He just got in. And the thing about it is, he got into their boat when they were at their lowest moment after fishing all night and catching nothing. So maybe I'm speaking to somebody today 
and you're on the edge of giving up. You're on the edge of walking away. You're on the edge of just resigning yourself to a numb life of nothing. And Jesus, see, you thought you were just coming to church. No, no, no. He's getting in your boat. He's getting in your boat. Touch somebody real quick and say, scoot over, scoot over, scoot over. Je Jesus, Jesus needs your boat. Jesus needs your boat. He's speaking to the crowds. The crowds are pressing around him. He needs to speak, and he doesn't have a microphone. He needs to speak, and he doesn't have YouTube. He needs to speak, and he doesn't have a podcast. He needs to speak, and he doesn't have a satellite campus. All he has is the natural amphitheater of the Lake of Gennesaret or the Sea of Galilee, the base of which he did many of his miracles. That's all he has, so he needs a boat to get the word out. You know your pastor has a vision right now to reach a million souls for Jesus Christ. Y'all are clapping, like I said, to get $10 for gas money, which will buy you a gallon right now in California. I said he wants to reach a million souls. Even legacy. That's big. That's big. But I wonder if you clap about that, will you also make room for that? In other words, I'm asking, can Jesus use your boat? Can, can he use your boat? Not for the rest of your life, just, just for now. Like, God will give you these little things. I remember one of the first ones for me and Holly, and I'm telling you some of our story today and some of the biblical story today, but really to get you to think about where you are in your story, where this church is in its story, all the way from Bay Area Fellowship 24 years ago. Y'all, Pastor Bill and Jessica went knocking on doors in Corpus Christi 24 years ago. 24 years. That's a long time to do something. 24 hours is a long time to stay off Instagram for some of us. 24 years they, they've been doing it. Doing it. Not just asking God, oh God, help the world. Oh God, feed the children. Been doing it for 24 years or 25 or 26. It's been a long time. Enough time where his hair. Is much shorter than when I met him. It used to be spiked up to here, and y'all cut his hair down to about here. Y'all pray for that man. He's in a Samson moment. He needs his hair to grow back. But anyway, <laughs> I love you, Pastor Bill. But 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 watch this. Can he use? Can Jesus use your boat in a little way? So in our marriage, when uh, my mom used to send me off to church, I grew up in Monk's Corner United Methodist Church. And I thought this was so stupid, but she used to always give me an envelope for the offering every Sunday, and she put a dime in it to teach me. Now, check this out. To teach me that a dime of every dollar was not mine. It was God's. Really, really, it's all God's, right? But, but in the concept of tithing, I was preaching on tithing one time, and the man thought I said, I was saying about the tithe, and he thought I was saying the tide. 
And so he thought I was using an analogy for like the tides of God's blessing. And he, he was so deep in it. He was like, they go in and they come out. What a beautiful concept. I'm like, well, yeah, that too. Like the resource comes in and it goes out. But I'm talking about a technical term, tithe. It means tenth. So my mom was teaching me to prioritize God and God's purpose. And so I, I can taste the lick of the envelope. She made me lick the envelope. I can, I can taste it. I can taste the tithe in my mouth right now. Ah, I can taste it while I talk to you. But I'm glad she did, because when God really got in my boat at 16 and I made my own decision to follow Christ, when Jesus got into my life and came into my life, it was natural for me to know, oh, if I make $50, five is going back to my church. Now, that's a decision. That's a decision. You receive Christ as your Savior, that's an event. But following him by faith, that is a daily decision. And for many of you during the offering season, you're like, I don't want to talk about money. This is not about money. You think it's about money? You think God needs your money? The cattle on a thousand hills belongs to God. The gold and silver belongs to God, and the crypto too, and every type of currency they're going to make, every digital, every physical, it all belongs to God, which is what tripped me out about the passage. Because in the passage, I always thought that Jesus needed a boat so he could get out in the sea and get the word out, right? Like, we need you to give to the offering. So that we can get the word out. And on one hand, that's true because God uses people. But then I remembered this other scripture. It's not in Luke's gospel, it's in Matthew's gospel. To be specific, Matthew chapter 14, verse 25. Look at this real quick. I just remembered this. That one time the disciples were in a storm, including Peter. This is much later in the ministry of Jesus. And they're on their way somewhere. And Jesus said, I'll see you on the other side. But they didn't really believe him because they started freaking out once the storm came and they'd been out there all night. And Jesus, look what he does shortly before dawn, went out to them walking on the lake. You follow me? When you can do that, what's in Matthew 14? Holly's with me. Are you with me, Church Unlimited? Are you with me? Are you with me? Are you with me? When you can walk on the lake, you don't really need anything from anybody. So, so now I realize that Jesus didn't ask Peter to put out a little because Jesus needed what Peter had. Jesus asked Peter, will you put out a little because Peter needed what Jesus had. See, the boat is Peter's, but the ocean is Jesus. <laughs> So he wants you. Ah, I feel like preaching. I don't have long to do it. But touch somebody. Say, let him in your boat. Let him in your boat. Let him in your boat. And, and here's the problem with a lot of us. We're like, okay, well, I will make the decision when I have more data. And that's a good rule when it comes to buying a house. But now when it comes to trusting God, because God doesn't give you all the details. That's how he teaches you faith. 
You're like, okay, God, I'll, I'll trust you. I'll do it. I'm, I'm going to do it. Okay, this is the story I was going to tell you about me and Holly. You thought I forgot, but I didn't. I just wanted to frame it so you can understand these little things that lead to big things in your life. We got on a Dave Ramsey kick right after I finished my diet. And he said, put an emergency fund. Y'all know the money guy, Dave Ramsey? He said, put an emergency fund. We saved $5,000. I was a traveling preacher. She was a school teacher. Do the math. It took a minute. It took a minute. We did it with margin. We did it with margin. Didn't spend everything, you know. Got water at Monterey. Just ate so much chips. Bring another basket. And then, and then, and then. We came to the emergency fund, and this little voice inside of me told me, it was like, can I use your boat? But it was like, give your emergency fund away. Now, I want to be clear. That voice has not told me to do that same thing since this moment, so I don't give away my savings account every year. I'm not going to sit up here in front like that with you. I got kids now, but at the time we didn't have any kids. It was just us. And it was like the Lord was making room in our heart for who do you trust? It's like He was training me in trust. It was like I was back to the dime in the envelope in the Methodist church. So I said, Holly, we, good news, we got $5,000 in the account. The bad news, the dark side, I think God wants us to give it away. And so it was just a little voice, and I don't think we would have gone to hell if we didn't do it. But we wrote five checks, wrote five checks, thousand dollars each, and gave them away, and didn't die, <laughs> didn't starve, didn't really miss it. God has supplied it again, over and over and over again, in, in, in the ministry that I lead. I know Pastor Bill could tell a similar story, and maybe he will in a coming week. But it just got me think about maybe you're on the edge right now of something God is calling you to do, and, and he doesn't need what you have. You need what he has, whether that's giving or prayer. Look, don't think of this as just a giving sermon. In Peter's case, it kind of was because he had to leave something that represented his livelihood, right? But in our case, when I say a little decision… I mean like this. You're praying for something big, right? Like, God, give me peace. I just need peace. Lord, would you give me your peace? Peace, peace, peace. Can I get peace? Can I get peace? That's a five-letter word. God, can I use it for Wordle? Can you give me peace? Give me peace. 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 Okay. There may be a deletion that God will lead you to that will bring you peace. I need to do an illustrated sermon for this one. There may be something that God needs you to delete. To delete. In fact, some of you are not even at church right now. You need to turn off the YouTube link. Delete all of those drains that are called apps that are programmed by people who take your attention and market to your deficiency and keep you in miserable comparison so you keep clicking. If you I'm telling you, some of you are one deleted app away from a good night's sleep. Huh? You believe that? Are y'all shouting in Texas? We're shouting in Charlotte. 
Because sometimes it's not some big thing. God, give me peace and show me the next five years of my life. And God, when all of this makes it, ah. God said, I want your attention. If you would start every day giving me five minutes of your attention before you give everybody and everything else in every world event your attention, you would get peace. But it's going to be a little push. A little push led to a legacy. After all, Peter's the one to whom Jesus would later say, upon this rock, I will build my church. His name is Cephas. Cephas. I like that. It means Petros in Greek. It means Dwayne Johnson in English. It means rock. But he didn't start as a rock. He started on the water. His name Simon meant shifty. Is that you? Shaky, uncommitted. Sometimes you do, sometimes you don't. Jesus said, I see what's underneath. Not only did Jesus see the fish that were underneath Peter's boat, he saw the potential that was in Peter, and he sees what's really in you, too. Because if you will remember the passage I read you in verse 3, it says he got in one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon. Wait, what about Peter? Same guy. His name was Simon before Jesus got in his boat. But Jesus is a name changer. He's a name changer. Just like this church used to be called something else and now it's called something else, Jesus is a name changer. And he sees the Peter in you and the Peter in me. And maybe he's going to speak to you today something little. Some of y'all, if you would forgive one person, you would take back the keys to your own freedom. Some of you, if you would make the decision today, just one, just I mean a little decision, a little decision. But they left everything, but first they put out a little. And y'all are about to take this offering and reach a million souls. That's a big thing. That's a big thing. But it's gonna have a lot of little things from a lot of amazing people. Maybe you're part of the answer to your pastor's prayer. Should I tell them about Addie Mae? I think they're ready for it. I'm going to close with this, because sometimes we don't understand how significant the decision is. And God won't always yell to get your attention. Sometimes he'll say it softly, so you have to lean in. And like Pastor Bill texted me to preach this sermon, he'll say it over and over and over. And over and over and over. But sometimes you won't even see it coming. So in 2016, this is my favorite story of all time to tell about how a little thing can lead to something amazing. Because Holly wanted to go to the farmer's market on vacation, and I didn't. And uh, I guess you could tell who the decision maker is in our family because we went to the farmer's market. We went to the farmer's market. On bikes. This girl came over. She had a booth to her. She was selling cupcakes and stuff at the farmer's market. And she said, Oh my God, I love your sermons. I'm a huge fan of your ministry. And I said, Thank you. I said, I look horrible. And she said, But can I get a selfie anyway? And I was like, Yeah, but I really look bad right now. I'm greasy. I'm unshaven. I look like Tom Hanks on day 75, cast away. I'm talking to Wilson. And uh, 
And so we take the picture, and she goes away for a minute, and she comes back with a huge box of cupcakes, and they say Addie May, Addie Mays uh, on them. That was her name and the name of her stand. And so she brings the cupcakes over to the family. Now the kids are little. This is 2016. The kids are little, little kids, little hyper kids at the time. So I'm like, thanks. This will be a real treat for bedtime tonight. Do you want to come tuck them, tuck them in, Addie May? So we're kidding about that, and I thank her for the cupcakes. And she said, oh, by the way, I just talked to my pastor. He loves you too. He was so jealous I got to meet you because uh, we had actually invited you to come preach at our church this week. I said, what? She said, yeah, we're having holy convocation at our church. And uh, my pastor just said that we had called to see if you would come preach. I had never heard of the church. I didn't know the pastor. She said, but they, they, uh, they invited you, but your office said that your family would be on vacation that week. I said, well, we are. And she said, you should, you should come to holy convocation this week. I said, no, I'm on holy vacation. No con, no convocation, just vacation. Holy is, it's, a holy, it's me and Holly. Holly vacation. I'm on vacation with Holly, not holy convocation. She said, you should come. She said, so-and-so speaking and so-and-so speaking. When she got to the guy that was going to speak the night that they had invited me, I knew who he was, and I'd been trying to meet him. We'd been talking. And so I said, oh, I may go over there and meet him, and thank you, and knew good and well that I probably wasn't going to come to the convocation. Y'all can judge me all you want to, but I was on vacation. And I, um, hmm, I took that little note that she wrote with the dates and the church name, and I put it in my pocket, and I told my assistant at the time, Hey, reach out to this pastor's office. I heard he's going to be down the street from where I'm on vacation. I probably won't go to the church, but I might meet him for lunch. See if he wants to meet up. And he did. He wanted to meet up. But then on the Friday that he was going to speak and that we were going to meet, my assistant sent me a text or called. I don't remember which one, but she said that the guy I was going to meet had to cancel because he had a back injury and couldn't fly from the West Coast. And a little voice. God didn't put this on one of those planes that fly across the beach, you know, with the thing behind it. None of that. The clouds didn't form and tell me what to do. But a little voice said, You should go preach for them. And I said, Lord, I'm not going to invite myself to go preach. That's rude. That's barbaric. That's ridiculous. It's thirsty. It's everything bad. It's everything I don't want to be. And the Lord was like, you know what? They wanted you first. She told you. Eddie May told you. Call the church. I said, Lord, I don't know the number. And the Lord said, Google. Right? The Lord will speak real deep to you sometimes. God said, Google. And I looked up the number, and I called the church, and thank God nobody answered. And I said to the Lord, You see that your servant hath obeyed you. I have laid mine Isaac upon thine altar, and thou didst provide a ram in the bush. And, uh, you know, and I left a message, the weirdest message you've ever heard in your life. Like, hey, this is Stephen Furtick. I'm on vacation with my family. I met Addie Mae. She gave my kids cupcakes. She told me you wanted me to preach. I heard your preacher canceled for tonight. I'll come preach if you want me to. I know you probably don't want me to. Here's my number. I hung up awkwardly. I'm going back out to the beach. On my way back out to the beach, the number that I just called calls me back. <laughs> I answered the phone, 
and the pastor said, is this really Stephen Furtick? I said, yeah, it is. He said, will you really come preach for me tonight? I said, if you want me to. He said, you were our first choice. When you called the first time, he said, the reason nobody answered was we were in a prayer meeting. He said, I've just had one of the hardest weeks of my life, one of the hardest weeks in ministry for sure, because I buried three people this week, and two of them were close to me. And so we were in a prayer meeting because I was going to have to preach tonight, and I had no strength. And we were praying that God would send us a speaker, that he would give us a ram in the bush. I wish I was making this up because this story scares me to even think about how detailed God is. I'm not making a word of it up. And I said, well, send a driver to get me, and I'll come because we only have one car. He said, I'll send a driver. I said, I don't have any convocation clothes. I'm going to have to preach in my Yeezys. He said, I got Yeezys too. You wear your Yeezys. I'll wear my Yeezys. Come preach for me. And when I walked in, they were crying. And I saw Addie Mae. Y'all got the picture? And you think I'm telling you this story because I made this decision. Oh, I'm such a great man to go preach for this pastor. No, 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 no. I was the disobedient one. Because while Addie Mae's pastor was in a prayer meeting, she was the answer to her pastor's prayer. Everybody I hugged when I went back there had tears in their eyes, not because of me being there, but because God used a cupcake to answer the prayer of the church. Will you put out a little bit? Will you leave what you think you know, what you think you need? Will you say yes, God, in spite of the blank places and the blank spaces and the unknown? Just a little bit. Father, I pray for the person today who is standing on the edge of a net-breaking, boat-sinking blessing in their life. I pray for this great church, this great ministry that you have raised up and sustained for a quarter of a century. We thank you that the best is yet to come, that they will see Ephesians 3.20 exceeding abundantly above all that they ask or imagine in this ministry, in this offering. And I pray now, Lord, that like you did for Elijah, the still small voice and the whisper of your Holy Spirit would speak to each person what they need, and that we would leave everything, everything we think we are, everything we think we're not, everything we think we know, to follow you, Jesus, so that Simon can become Peter, and so that your word can go forth. In Jesus' name, amen. How many of you believe God's moving right now? How many of you guys believe God is in this house, that he is moving, that he is moving? I caught something I didn't catch when I first saw this. I, mean, I was moved just like you were when I first saw it. I was so touched by the personal, the, the, the time he put into this was so personal. I said, God, thank you for my friendship with a dear brother. 
And God, I believe right now you're moving. He, I just caught this just a moment ago when you said Bethesda. But, but Bethesda means what? What does it mean? It means the house of the hunt. Oh, I bet you're hunting something. But are you hunting God? Are you seeking God? All right now, let's take a moment across all of our churches, those who are watching online. Would you bow your heads with me right now? Every head bowed, every eye closed. If God is speaking to you, would you just admit it openly? Will you just thank him? Will you just thank him? Just, thank, just say it out loud. God, thank you. Thank you that you're moving in your house. Thank you that you're doing what only you can do. Thank you, God, that you sent a message for us all the way from Charlotte today. Thank you, God, for speaking to us. Your head bowed and your eyes closed. Is God telling you, I want to get in your boat? I want to get in your boat. God doesn't need your resource. We need him. We need him. So with your head bowed and your eyes closed, have you given your life to Jesus? You can receive him right now by praying a very simple prayer across all of our different churches. Those who are watching online, if you've never given your life to Jesus, pray this prayer with me today. You can just say this out loud with us. Just say, dear Jesus, I realize I need you. I believe you died for my sin. And I believe you rose again. I ask you to come into my heart, be my Lord, and be my Savior. I repent of my sins. I put you in first place. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. With your head bowed and your eyes closed, no one's looking around right now across all of our different churches. If you just gave your life to Jesus, would you just lift your hand high right now? If you just gave your life to Christ, if you just prayed that prayer, just lift your hand high. If you just made Christ your Lord, just hold your hand high at all of our churches right now. We see those hands right now. Praise God. Hold your hand high. Those who are watching online right now with us, if you just gave your life to Christ, you can just put it in the text chat right now. Just say, my hand's raised. Or just click hand raised right now. Just let us know if you just gave your life to Christ. Praise God. You're not alone. Thank you. Thank you. We see those hands. Praise God. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Praise God. God's moving. You can put your hands down now. Maybe today God spoke to you and he just said, I want you just to give a little something to me today. What is he telling you? Maybe it's an attitude you've had. Maybe it's a bad habit that you know where God wants to take you. you that can't go. Maybe God's trying to shift your name as Stephen spoke about. Maybe you've been shifty, uncommitted. One day you're with God, next day you're not walking with God. And he says, it's time to get out of that. I want to shift you into becoming steady, strong, dependable a rock if that's you maybe your prayer today say god i i just i've been kind of just showing up occasionally but i need to make this my my house this is where i go this is where i'm at on sundays this is what i do uh, god I, I i kind of support sometimes i do sometimes i don't know if i feel like it no god you can count on me now you can count on me what's god speaking to you about honor god commit to him a small decision can change your life God, thank you for your word today. Thank you for the power of this truth. Thank you, God, for speaking to us through Pastor Stephen. Thank you, God, that you stirred in him and, Lord, now stir in us to be your people. Thank you, God. We don't want to be shifty any longer. We want to be committed to what you're doing. In your name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Isn't God good? His word is so true.